So I thought I was the queen of Airbnb. Check the profile. I visited all the places. However, how can I truly be a queen if I have never been a host? Didn't even think about it, y'all. It's time to think about it because my place is cute. Why not share? I know. I got you thinking about it now. All right. Well, don't think about it. Be about it. Find out how you can be a host at airbnb.com slash host. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this experience with Jimmy Jam, talking with him for almost six hours was such a dream come true. We never wanted it to end. Uh, this particular episode, we talk about working with Michael Jackson, uh, a lot of career advice in running a record label, and a lot of... Uh, it's so much... You know, too much information We really hope you enjoyed this Jimmy Jam episode As much as we enjoyed doing it Alright, here it is Part 3 of the QLS Classic Interview With producer Jimmy Jam There's a question I have About Rhythm Nation mm-hmm. Which I I often debate With, with uh Reby's son, Michael's nephew, uh, Austin. Uh-huh. About the effect, the crippling effect that I feel the knowledge had on Michael Jackson. Or just at least the first three <laughs> songs of that record. And, I love you know, that. I've I watched, love this. No, no, no. But I, no, I've, I love this. I love where this is going. This I've is watched, because I've watched a few interviews where he's mentioned in a kind of modest or, or, or way like oh you know Janice but knowing what I know about his vocal style and what it became I felt that I felt that what control was for Prince Rhythm Nation was for Michael into a crippling effect because soon after literally Everything that he released post-1990 was him chasing those first three songs. Rhythm Nation, uh, State of the World, and The Knowledge. He told like, Babyface that. <laughs> Remember? Well, no, no. I mean, do you know the Babyface story about when he first flew them to Neverland Ranch to work on the Dangerous record? Did he ever tell you the... Uh-uh. His first okay, so Babyface. So when 
they're working on Jermaine's You Said record. Suddenly they get a call saying, I'm, you know, helicopter to Havenhurst. And uh, when they first get there, they're like, well, so, you know, what do you, what do you like from us? Like, they're trying to figure out what he knows of theirs. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, uh, I really, really like Rhythm Nation. <laughs> Part of me actually feels like he was negging them. Yeah. Like, I, I think he's... I think he's intelligent enough to read album <laughs> credits to know the difference between L.A. and Babyface and Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. And, you know, they corrected him. was like, well, you know we didn't do that, right? It's like, I know, but I still like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, yeah, it's, and it, again, it's like, it. my favorite record of hers is Janet. I feel like, the most important record was Control, but I feel like the most impactful was probably, at least with stylistically and how it affected Michael. I mean, if, when you make Michael Jackson's paradigm shift, then that says something. And I always felt as though that record crippled him in ways that he's never recovered like every song was like that 16th note like off the wall like everything was that like what was was there any feedback from him whatsoever or was it like in her head like yeah it's really going to fuck him up now like like <laughs> there was janet janet never had any sort she of she was um, never competitive um she, oh she was competitive um but not towards him in any way um, she never had anything that I ever sensed or that she ever said that was in any way like I'm going to show Michael on this one or anything like that. There was never anything like that. Her her, her respect for him was way beyond um, any sort of competitiveness with him. He was competitive toward her. I will say that because I can tell that you. Means you guys are doing. I can tell you. I can. I can tell you the the whole scream story um, that was that. But but interestingly enough, um, yes, the knowledge. I have a handwritten note from Michael that talks about the bridge and the knowledge and the sound that's on there. And can I? Can we do something that sounds like that on the bridge of of our song? Uh, he had taped it to my keyboard because I wasn't there. He taped it to my keyboard. And I still have that. St- I am say, you still have that note, right? I sleep in my, it's in my briefcase. Does he right? print or write in cursive? I'm sorry. I just, I just need to know. Uh, this was cursive. print. Okay. No, this was print, I believe. What? I think this was print. Because he has immaculate cursive. I'll have to. You know what? I never. Actually, honestly, I didn't pay attention. Maybe it is cursive. I don't know. I didn't pay attention. I just saw the note. It just said, Jimmy Jam, can we use the sound? That's whatever that <laughs> oh, sound okay. is in the knowledge. But. I actually got it was funny because when I, I we were working with with Michael uh, on the on that history album and I remember him being obsessed with If and he really liked If and I remember saying no I said yeah If is cool Michael I said I don't know I said you know that's the way Love Goes was a much bigger record it was. And I said, yeah. I said, that's the way Love Goes was like number one for eight weeks or something. I said, you know, if was like top five. I said, but it wasn't. He said, no, I like, I really like that if. And it's like, mm, no. He likes that brace yourself, yeah, that, that yeah, five yeah. second stadium yes. sizzle. Like, yeah. And that's what 
Like Rhythm Nation was probably the first stadium black album. Because even with Bad, just that intro, mm-hmm. maybe the way you make me feel like it didn't have the grandiose mm-hmm. intro of every, like every song was stadium ready Yeah, for Rhythm Nation. Yeah. No, he definitely liked, I mean, he was, he told us how much he loved it and um, and, and wanted to, and wanted to, and always. Why did he never ask you guys to produce his records? Well, we did. We did. We ended up doing songs on uh, well, ninety one. But after I mean, the but after the fact, yeah. um, well, I mean, honestly, we first of all the records he made with Quincy Jones to me were the greatest records ever. So I I was like I didn't even really want to work with Michael. Quite honestly, if he wouldn't have asked to do the Janet duet, you know, I, we probably never would have worked with him. That's the reason we worked with him. Um, and it was interesting because I remember Janet or, or Michael called um i'm trying to think where his folks called our folks or whatever say michael wants to do a, a, a song as a duet with janet and i my first thought was nope i'm calling no it wasn't no my first thought was i'm gonna call janet and see is she cool is cool. she aware with it, you know of this and then my biggest thing was um i feel as a producer and also her friend and confidant i'm there to protect her and i want to make sure that whatever the process is that's happening that she's protected at all times. And when I say that, um, it, it, it was interesting what you just said about Michael and kind of his, you know, his story with L.A. and Babyface when, when he said, uh, I really like Rhythm Nation. <laughs> That's hilarious to me because I remember when we were doing Scream and, and I remember I, I told Janet to come to Minneapolis while we were doing the tracks because Michael said, just put together some tracks and we'll figure it out what it is. And I remember we put we put a bunch of tracks together, and then we just kind of said, "Okay." I said, "Janet, you need to just sit here. I just need your inspiration, you know." Mm-hmm. And so I remember when we did the track that ended up being "Scream." I remember Janet said, "That's the one he's going to like." And I said, "How do you know?" And she said, "Because I know my brother." And I said, "Okay." So, but the song she really liked, and the song that we liked, was ended up becoming "Runaway." Because oh, wow. uh, yeah, because he could have runaway. Yeah, we thought that that <laughs> was. <laughs> Yo. Yeah, we thought that was the record. Yo, he yeah. could have killed that shit. Right, that's what we thought. Yeah, man. What? So when we did, yeah, so when I, we I did, <laughs> so when we did runaway. Wow. When we did Runaway, it was funny. And we didn't know it was going to be called Runaway. I mean, obviously that the song didn't exist. It was just a track. But when we did the track. We just were like, wow, this feels so nice. This is so cool, right? And so she said, I remember she said, put it on the cassette, but I hope he doesn't like it because <laughs> I, I want it for me. And I said, okay, cool. So sure enough, we played the songs. Uh, at, we went to the Hit Factory. We flew to New York, went to Hit Factory. Bla- he blasted these songs super loud. Yeah. And then he would say, yeah, that sounds really good. Um, can I hear number two again, please? Okay, so they played number two, and they played a couple other ones. And then he goes, Okay, I think I think we're going to go with number two. I really like number two. And number two was ended up being Scream. Mm-hmm. And Janet looked at me like, 
told I told you, you so, <laughs> but also like I'm glad he didn't I'm pick glad the he other didn't one away. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, so the the next day we went to um, ironically Trump Tower, where he had uh, <laughs> where Michael had his uh, penthouse and and stuff, and we and Michael already had conceptually what he wanted. He wanted a record that lashed out at the press and everybody that doubted him or was critis- critical of him. And that's why that track worked so well, because for him it was the aggressiveness of doing that. Whose idea was fucking? <laughs> um, I, you know what? I honestly don't remember. I don't remember whether he said that as we were recording it or if I don't think we suggested it because I don't think we would ever. I was about to say, did you write the yeah. words "stop fucking with me"? <laughs> no, it was it stopped pressuring me. But he wrote he wrote the lyrics on that. We didn't write the lyrics on screen. Okay, that was totally his thing. And even even as he was writing the lyrics, um, we were like, okay, yeah, we get that. Oh, but why would you want to drudge up any? animosity toward the press or anybody at this point because right now he was at and he was at a really happy point of his life he had just uh i don't know whether i think him and lisa marie had just gotten married Mm -hmm. so he was a happy guy lisa couldn't have been nicer um you know it was funny because i remember we we asked lisa we said what did you what did you see in michael you know what did you how did you guys fall in love and she just said he was the kindest person i've ever met in my life and I totally got it. I was like, I get it. Totally get it. And I thought, now's the opportunity to, you know, if it was the Runaway track or we had heard the uh, the R. Kelly track, the You Are Not Alone. And we were like, that should be the single to me. It's like, that's where you're at in your life right now. Why go back? And go pressure like me he, and that thirty and all seconds. That. I gotta get the last word. He's got to get yeah. the last word, and that was the thing. And we told we told Sony. We told uh, well, it wasn't even Sony at the time. I think it was still CBS Records at the time. But we told him. We said that's the wrong. That's the wrong record for the first single. To to me, also, I said just strategically, wouldn't if everybody wants that duet, why give it to him at first? Give him something different. I said, he's never given the, the home the run single. record as right. the first one. You're he right. never has. Yeah. The throwaway song should have been first. And then... <clears throat> yes. Well, Damn. not even a throwaway yeah, the song. The Girl Is Mine was the well, first the one on Thriller. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Like the... yeah. Yeah, but I mean, but that was our... My thing was, you are not alone. I said, you just got married to Lisa Marie. You're in love. We had already done the, the love thing with Janet, right? We knew that's the way love goes was the song for that album that it was it introduced it said what the album was the album was not we argued with the record company over that they wanted it for the single and we're like no but if is like the last of rhythm nation but remember the last impression you had of janet was love will never do without you right so going from that to that's the way love goes is the next logical step and they almost talked her out of it thank god for chuck d and hank shockley (laughs) <laughs> who, who we played the record for, and they told us, yeah, that if is cool, but that that's the way love goes, man. It's like some Sade shit. Man, she wanted to. Oh, okay. no, I'll tell you. No, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. I, I can real. Well, hopefully, real quick, I can tell you what happened. We had finished the whole album. We were the last song we did was state, uh, not state of the world, but uh, uh, new agenda. Ah, oh, wow. With Chuck D. With Chuck, right? Yeah. Right. So we're finishing up. We finished it like three in the morning. 
when Janet had left, Janet had left for about two or three days to meet with Virgin about, you know, whatever. And of course now we're in a climate of biggest recording deal ever, ton of pressure and whatever. When Jordan uh, Harris and Jeff Aroff were the two guys that were running Virgin, when we were working on the album, they came to town one day and they said, we just want to hear whatever you're working on. That particular day we were working on If. Crank that up. I turned it on. They were blown away. They left. They said, oh, we don't need to hear anything else. We're good. Right? So in their minds, from that day forward, If was the single, because that's what they heard. Mm-hmm. And it was so straight down the middle Janet, from what Janet was on Rhythm Nation. They hadn't heard any of the other songs, didn't know any of the concepts. So that's the way Love Goes had a long kind of you know, life, because in creating the song because when i did the song i was like my whole thing was first of all i'm the biggest james brown fan ever right papa don't take no mess was one of my favorite songs i said if i could take papa don't take no mess put chords over it like a real song and shake chord changes and stuff and make it all still work with the with the thing if i could put the impeach the president sample in it (laughs) I was trying to make like the ultimate hip hop, you know, uh, like like a record Mary J. Blige would make was mm-hmm. what I was trying to make on that record, right? But with the texture that Janet would sing on, right? And I remember uh, there was this guy named Mark Mazzetti used to work at A and M Records, and Mark Mazzetti, nothing, no, nothing, nothing, <laughs> no, no, no. okay, no, so, no, no Mark Mazzetti stories, no, okay, so uh, <laughs> so Mark came up, you know, she she was on Virgin, but he just he came up and he said, hey, I know she's not on our label, can I hear something you you're working on? And I said, oh yeah, so, well I just finished this track, and I played him the That's the Way Love Goes track, and he went crazy. He said, oh my god, this is the greatest. Oh my god, I'm so I wish I was working this record, whatever, whatever. Anyway, played it to, played it for Janet. Janet goes, eh, it's okay. What? And I said, wow. I said, oh, really? She said, yeah, it's okay. So anyway, I said, okay, cool. So then about, you know, a couple of weeks later, we were taking a break over Christmas. And uh, she said, um, just put everything on a cassette for me to listen to. I said, okay, cool. So I put that, the track on the cassette, right? When she got back a couple of weeks later, she landed. I said, what song do you want to start with? She said, oh, my God, that track. That track, oh my God. And I said, what track are you talking about? That track you gave me, oh my God, the track you gave me. I said, the one you don't like? Oh my, no, I love that track. Oh my God, we listened to it over and over and over. So something about, she was in Anguilla. So something about being in Anguilla on the beach and whatever, and something about it connected. And I think what also happened, she was over there with a bunch of her dancers and stuff. And I think they all heard it Yeah, and were like, Kind of like what they did in the video. That's what I think kind of happened over there. So when that happened, she I'm came sorry, back. Was she showing with Booyah Tribe too? Or... Yeah. <laughs> and J-Lo? No, they weren't. Uh, <laughs> they were uh, rather random. Yeah not, a, yeah, not actually. But yeah, but that was that was sort of the idea. So anyway, we actually did the song. And we all agreed that that was sort of the direction of the album. Like that was the first, you know, kind of entree of what the album was going to be. When she went to L.A., we warned her. We said, they're going to try to talk you into If. I already know it. And she said, no, If's cool, but, you know, what a second single maybe, whatever. I said, okay, cool. She comes back. She goes, um, yeah, the single changed to If. And we were like, <laughs> no, no, Don't no. fall for the okie doke. <laughs> <laughs> 
don't, don't, you know. And they were like, and she told me all the reasons. Oh, we can do a big dance video, and it's Janet returns, and it's whatever. And we're like, no, but we know that's We've not seen what that we already. want. We that know that's would have changed my do. whole perspective of that record, had right? If came out first, yeah. So anyway, so now, okay, so we fast forward. We're finishing new agenda. So three o'clock in the morning. I said, Janet, I said, can we play them the two records we're thinking as singles? And she said, oh, yeah, that'd be great. I said, okay, cool. So we went into the, in, in the studio. I played That's the Way Love Goes. And they listened to it, and they were, like, vibing. And we played If, and they were vibing. And we were like, okay, so what do you think? And uh, they said, well, yeah, that, that If, man, that, you know, that just sounds like Janet, man. You know, that's that... You know that's that Janice back, and you know we get it, man. It's 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 like you know, <laughs> it's like, and as he's saying that, I'm just going like, no, right. And she's looking at me like Janice looking at me like, mm-hmm. See, you know, whatever. And I'm like, damn. And then they go, but, but, what was that other song called? That's the way love goes. That other song. You know what that song's like? That's like some Sade shit. <laughs> That's like when Sade puts a record out, you know, and it's no fanfare to it. It's just like she just got the CD and she just kind of slips it down on the table and you go, oh, what is that? Oh, it's a Sade record. Let's check that out. You know, he said, That's like that shit. And he said, That's something about that. And I looked at her like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and that was it. And that was so the decision was made. And thank God they were there and said that because then she said she like came back to her senses and she said, okay, yeah, that's the way love goes. It's a single. And yeah, it changed the whole direction of what the record would have been. And um, so yeah, I mean, you know, there's all kinds of things like that that happen, man. It's it's like it's like we can sit here and talk. We ain't even got to damn 2000, have we? <laughs> Which, I, I, by the way, everybody clown, clowned us about the, lo- the length of the, uh, of the Red Bull interview that we did. <laughs> whatever that was. Yeah, whatever that is. And um, it was funny because I said, yeah, but you know, the problem is, is that you can really pick an era and spend a couple hours talking yes. about it if you want to go in depth with it. Um, it's tough to really do it because I said we've just been around too damn long. That's the that's the problem. And there's a, a story that leads to another story that leads to another story, but there's so many angles of things mm-hmm. of the way they turned out. At the end of the day, I say about all of this, um, it's God that does this. It flows through us. Luckily, we've 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 got the blessing to to actually do it. But I guarantee you, there's song, there's chord changes in songs. We were talking about, somebody asked me the other day about um, Come Back to Me, mm. the bridge in Come Back to Me. It's the same as Money Can't Buy You Love. Is, 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 um, that's Money Can't Buy You Love? Oh, you're oh, right. right. Yeah, you're oh. right. Oh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. You win. <laughs> you just yeah, you're sort of. Well, you're right. I mean, you're right. There are there are the same there are the same chords in there, absolutely the same chords. But I don't know where those chords came from, right? Because when I was doing "Come Back to Me," the track for that, 
That is not where I would go for a change. Like if somebody said, oh, we need a B section. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have gone to that, you know. And even sometime today, you know, if somebody says, hey, play such and such and such. I love the change in that song. And I can't remember what it was. We were with Bruno Mars the other day, who, by the way, can sing every damn song we've ever done. And, I, and really well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which, is, which is something. But we were doing, I don't know whether it was Come Back to Me or one or the other. There might have been a bended knee or something. And we were, he was singing. And he went to the change. And I'm like going, oh, wait, I don't, what, wait, what was, that? what was I thinking that day? I don't even know. But it was whatever was planted in me that day that made me come up with those changes. So um, at the end of the day, man, it's just, uh, you know, it's just a blessing. And I get to do it with somebody who I love to see every single day. And uh, but there's so many twists and turns that you can't really get stuck on yourself about it because there's so many other factors, man. Like if Chuck D wouldn't have been in our life or Hank Shockley wouldn't have at been in our moment, life yeah. at that moment, it would have taken a different turn. And we and that stuff we can't control, you know. So there's a lot of good fortune that, that happens. What's your day-to-day like now? Like in terms of you and Terry writing songs, like what's a typical day like in your life? Wow. Well, a typical day in our life is a lot of uh, family uh, kid raising. Quite honestly, um, we have our kids go to the same school. Um, How old are your kids now? Six. I have, well, I have a six. I have sixteen-year-old twins, and uh, he has a sixteen-year-old uh, son. Okay. Um, but he has a thirty-six-year-old son. You know, he's. <laughs> you know, Terry's he been getting busy early. for a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ain't nobody bad. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but <laughs> but Terry. Terry taught me everything that I know about parenting, and he's like the most unselfish, giving person ever uh, in in life. And uh, so I got a chance to watch him raise his kids, and then I had mine. But then he remarried and had more kids, you know, because he just he he's the kind of person that should should have kids. And he always said that to me because I went through most of my life. I figured I was never going to have kids. I just I didn't want kids, and he said. Jam, you know, you have to have kids. And I'm like, why? And he said, because you have so much to offer. And he says, and somebody's got to offset all the knucklehead kids that's out of there. (laughs) So you need to raise some good kids so we kind of have some balance. And I thought, okay, yeah, he's absolutely right. And I I always feel like with my kids, it's like, y'all better do something with your life because there's no there's no excuse there's no excuse you know Man, talk that shit so yeah. so that's that's the thing so anyway a lot of our life is uh is being uh uber uh driving kids to school and back my daughter <laughs> just got her license so that's scary she's 16 mm-hmm. um i have an over, older son at uh, arizona state uh university um and uh, he's i think going to transfer at the end of the year maybe but we'll see whatever he wants to do but i mean a lot of it is just spending kids time uh the nice thing is i wake up and now the way studios are, you know, studios in your laptop now. Right. So I have an office at home, and anytime I come up with an idea, and thank goodness the ideas just keep coming for some reason, and I can just walk over to my laptop, and I have my little keyboard and stuff, and I can just bang an idea out. And sometimes I don't even develop it. I just kind of put a little idea down, and I just kind of leave it. And then what happens most of the time is Terry will take my hard drive, and he'll say, hey, Jam, let me get something off your hard drive. Okay, cool. He'll go through, listen to everything. <laughs> and the next thing you know, we'll have, we just did a Peebo Bryson album. Wow. 
and he Whoa. pulled some songs off of my hard drive that I swear to God he because we, we were trying to well, we never talked about how we work together, but this is this is one example. So he said, "Man, you got I'm we need some stuff for Peebo, man, but I I want it to be like R and B, but it's got to be forward, you know, it's got to be whatever, whatever." And it's like, "Okay, cool." He said, "You got anything like that?" And I said, "No, nah, I ain't got anything like that." I said, "But I'll, I'll figure something out." So anyway, he takes my hard drive. He goes down to Atlanta. He records people. He comes back. Two songs that I had done, I don't know, five years ago or something, just as kind of a thing. One of them I was singing on, which was pr- pretty bad. <laughs> and uh, and anyway, he's got people on these songs. These are like uh, probably our singles on the album. And and but he hears it and he goes. I mean, one of them he played for people and people like lost his mind. He said, "Oh my God, I I love this." And so Terry's like, okay, yeah, you know. So sometimes it just happens like that. But that's the great thing about having a partner, you know. Even that's even um, we talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. So Terry walked in the studio when I was cutting a track, and the part that ended up being used was actually the bridge to the song. It was like a whole different song. Wait, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> it was a whole different song. But the bridge went. So what was your main? I don't even remember now. I, I don't even remember what the main part of the song is. I just know Terry walked in, and he said, "Oh, I like that." Dun, dun, dun. I like that, and I said, "Oh no, that's just the bridge of the song, Terry. The real song goes like this." And He's he said, like, nah. "No, no, no, <laughs> just goes <laughs> just right to that bridge." You know, he told you, right? Jim, hit the outro. <laughs> 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 so I have, a, I have a question. Um, have you ever had to deal with writer's block, or does having a partner kind of prevent that from happening? It, it helps. It helps a lot because normally we don't have it at the same time. Mm. Um, but yeah, you definitely go through writer's block. You go through. I mean, we've done it so long now that we've gone through a ton of periods where we just thought, "Oh, we're never ever going to write another song again." It's just it just ain't there. Um, Terry went through it for a while, and I remember, though, it was because the stuff that was being offered us to do was not inspiring. And Who did you say no to? Oh, many people. Many, 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 many people. Everyone? Uh, not everyone. But <laughs> Stevie every- Wonder? Huh? Stevie Wonder? No, we never said. Who did no. you say no we to that no you to felt didn't make sense to do? Like, did Prince come to you guys one day and like you guys got something? Or, I mean, like, no, we actually we a actually, Michael Jackson situation. Like, well, I mean, early early on, um, Madonna, Lionel Richie, at one point in time. I mean, in, in the Lionel and Richie, and you didn't think heyday. it made sense? No, because he wanted one song, and we wanted to do more than one song. We didn't feel what like year? we could do. Oh, uh, initially, on the... well, initially, right around that, or right after that, probably, right after Dancing on the Ceiling, or right around that time. Yeah, I mean, he was he was huge, but we just didn't feel like we were going to make an impact with one song. We didn't when we thought of him, we didn't think of him as one song. We thought of him as the Commodores, Lionel Richie. Album. We thought of him as the you know oh, the kind of back new to Lionel Richie. Yeah, oh, we did. You know, but we did though. We did an album with him that did absolutely nothing. What? Wait, huh? Okay? Oh, is it louder than words? We stuck red headphone, man. This is louder than words, right? Wait, Fonte, that, you know happened a few this? times. Wait, I don't know uh, about this. I know about this. Louder than words, right? 
Uh, was it Modern World? Yeah, great cover. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. You did the entire album? No, no, no. But we did the great, the good songs on there. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? So don't, so don't want to lose you. Okay. You got that? That was a single. On your, on your, on your yeah. laptop of, yeah, of I, songs. I look. So don't want to lose you now. And we did a song called uh, Say I Do, which he actually got married to when he got married. Oh, wow. Say okay. I Do. And we did a song that uh, one of my favorites called um, Take You Down that we actually sampled, uh, I think it was What's the name of the Ecstasy album? by uh, the Ohio Players. Ohio Players. Oh, Wait, wow. What? Wait, what, what album is this called? Louder, louder I, I think than it's words. called Louder Than Words. Yeah, louder than words. What you was this like? But, 90, oh my God, so many records. So, 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 here's, so here's the funny so thing about Lionel is that when he finally did come to us and we said, no, we want to do more than one song. And he said, okay, cool. He said, I, I get it, whatever. I'll come to Minneapolis. It was a whole different Lionel at that point, right? I'll come to Minneapolis. I'll, do, I'll work with you guys, whatever you guys want to do. We said, hey, we miss the Lionel, the Commodore's Lionel. Can we do a Commodore's Lionel song? And he said, yeah, yeah. He said, absolutely, we got it, we got it. And, and so I remember when we played it for him, and I think I had sung the demo, which not very good, <laughs> and he started cracking up. He just laughed, and I said, yeah, I know I don't sing really good. And he said, no, man, it ain't that. He said, what's weird about it is that that is so me, but I can't write that song. Mm -hmm. You guys can write it. I can't write that song anymore. But the fact that you all wrote that for me, he said, I'm totally with it. So anyway, that album got caught up with, uh, I remember a record company thing with, Poly I think it was Polygram at the time. And it just kind of got caught up in a bunch of uh, in a bunch of crap. And we actually played with him at uh, the Polygram convention. Oh, okay. So that was cool. But, you know, I mean, that's, for me, the greatest compliment that we get is when we got a chance to work with the classic artists, the people like we grew up with, when we got to work with Barry White, or we got to work with, Barry White was the best. We played a song for Barry White. We did the song called Come On for mm -hmm. Barry White. And, you know, we did the whole big, long, Love Unlimited mm -hmm. intro and the whole big thing, right? And uh, we said, uh, when it got done, we said, hey, what do you think, man? And he said, ha, ha, ha. Sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's the best compliment. We did a song called You're All I Need for the Isley Brothers. And uh, I remember Ernie was listening to it. And he said, hey, man, you got an acoustic guitar? And we were like, yeah, yeah. He said, man, 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 hook me up. Hook me up. He said, I already know where this is going. I already know where the chord changes are going. And when you, when you do that and you like somebody so much, but you can kind of get into their heads and make them feel like the song is for them. That's the best, man. Particularly with, you know, like I say, with the classic artists. Because you have a chance to actually study and know. And as a fan, you know, just with anybody, you know where they went wrong. Where they made the left turn. You just talked about it with Michael. He made a left turn at one point and he got into Rhythm Nation land and he never recovered. That was his left turn that he made. Or it can be any of your favorite artists. It's like, okay, they get to a certain point and then they make a left turn. And it's like, if you can just bring them back. Well, we worked with Earth, Wind & Fire. We did a song called Pure the Gold. Pure Gold, yeah. Right? The Illumination album. Okay. And that's the last record, by the way, that Maurice White sang on. And we insisted that he sing. And that sounded the like them. That was, a great, that was a great song. But the point was, so Earth, Wind & Fire comes to us and they go, man, we, we want to get back on the radio. And I, we were like, you're on the radio all the time. <laughs> Right. Reasons, that's the way of the right. world. September. Right. right. You're on the radio. No, no, no. We want you know, we want to be on the radio. I said, no, no. 
So what does it tell you that those songs are being played on the radio? So what does radio want to hear from Earth, Wind and Fire? Those type of songs. And so we did Pure Gold and, you know, it was a very popular record in, in the whole thing. Listen, black representation is essential. If I hadn't seen and heard certain black women in radio, I wouldn't be in radio. Women like Robin Breeden, Candy Shannon, Michelle Wright, Deanna Williams. Women owning radio stations like Kathy Hughes. Listen, the next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. Word. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Each episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so I feel silly. Because as much traveling as I do, and as many Airbnbs that I stay in, because that's the only way I travel, I really have never considered my own space. I mean, think about it. What if you can make money for your next vacation while you're on vacation? And I know what you're thinking. You're like, my house is just not fancy enough. I just can't do the things. You're sleeping on your space. I'm sleeping on my space. Yes, I'm talking to myself. And I really don't even have to use my whole place. I could just Airbnb a room. I know how this works. Because again, I use Airbnb, duh. I mean, just think about it. Most of us that use Airbnb are only using it for 50% of its power. We're spending the money, but we're not making the money. What if we could do both? Whoa, mind blowing. And your home really might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, it's Sugar Steve from Questlove Supreme. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded, too. So, check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cash back isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees? Period. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. Yeah, man. Y'all, you guys have always kind of been like, I can compare y'all, I can call y'all like the Shang Tsung of music. <laughs> because like, y'all. Mac, Shang Tsung? Mortal Kombat. Kombat. Mortal Kombat. Okay, Shang Tsung okay. was the character who could morph into like any of the other characters. Okay. Because uh, the record y'all did, uh, Disrespectful for Mary J. Yes. I would have bet my firstborn child that Rich Harrison did that record. Right. Yeah. And I love Rich Harrison. Yeah, I mean, and love I was Rich just, Harrison. so I was just curious as to how you channeled that. Like, where does that come from? Like, in order to get it. It comes from, it comes from, uh, it comes from respect uh, of, of people like that. 
of 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 Rich Harrison. I remember hearing um, what was the record? A Marie. One thing. Uh, yeah, one thing. No, no, not talking one thing. About- no, the very first. Oh, one. why don't we fall why in don't love? we fall in love? Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So of records that changed my life as far as just appreciation of of production and the songs and what that was one of them i mean there's there's probably i mean i don't know i've never i always think about it but then i never do it but like there's certain songs in my life hear you say this by the way <laughs> well there's certain songs that, there's certain songs in my life that really changed and i go back i can go back way way far but i mean i remember um happening on to a brenda russell album oh, um right so good so, so good, right so right yes. okay and yes. think it over and think those songs over. on that those major seventh chords on that record and the way it's put together changed the way i wrote music totally right i can think of hearing um just trying to think of something to come to mind just a touch of love by slave Slave, totally changed the way that whole that drum that steve errington (laughs) with that little hiccup tie hat thing that you know ended up watching you and all that other stuff but just a touch of love was man that was such an amazing record, and her and Starlina Young's voice, and that whole thing was just amazing, right? So, there's certain records like that that just do that to me, and so yeah, so the A Marie record did that to me. That record was just like, come on. So, and the My Life album by Mary J was like that. Like I stopped everybody in our in the studio and made them listen to that album. Like you got to listen to this. You album. liked it. I loved it. That's Loved crazy. It. That's the first day we met, by the way, or at least that I remember. You. I am. Yeah, okay. in DC. Really? Oh, loved it. Loved. Not you? I can believe that. That's I can. Not, I can see it. it doesn't everybody? Why, 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 so why wouldn't I like it? Well, because it was karaoke. It it broke so many rules. Like we were, like just that month of us being in the van and analyzing every record as we're going from gig to gig. When we got the My Life record, we were just dumbfounded because all we kept asking was, is this allowed? Yeah, it's his name. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Is she allowed it? Now, if it were rappers singing over Everybody Loves the Sunshine, it'd be like, yes. oh, okay, that's normal. Right. But we'd never heard a, a singer, singer sing, sing over breakbeats. <laughs> and we didn't know how to feel about that record. Like, we were just like, we just kept asking, well... Soon thereafter, I was like, "If if you ask if this is allowed, then it must be classic, yeah. right?" Yeah, because she started because she was kind of on the the what's the four one one remixes. That was kind of the dress rehearsal for my life because that was when she started. Singing I know, over but the we just I never thought like, okay, I'm listening to Everybody Loves the Sunshine. She's just changing. Like it was, I was so conflicted. In the Curtis Mayfield shit, to be happy. Right? Yeah, I was so conflicted that. <laughs> oh, I love be happy. That shit was man. a jam, but, though. Be but that's happy, the thing, man. jam. Can you still listen to records and not listen to them clinically? I always ask these guys that. Like, can you just listen to mm, a record? I, I'm numb. And, I, I analyze and everything and just hear the goodness and, and the, the emotion that he looks yeah. outside of the technicalities of the breakbeat. How many sort of? Um, that's a great question. Um, I, I think I can. I definitely get the emotion of records. I was listening, ironically, um, there's a record uh, by, there's a guy, like an EDM guy, like Porter Robinson. And I love his chord structures and his textures that he does. And there's a song he had out about four or five years ago 
no, it wasn't even four or five years ago, it was maybe two or three years ago, that I remember he played at Coachella, and it was the first time I had taken my kids to Coachella. And I remember we walked into the tent, and that song came on, and my kids put their hands in the air, and I just was like, wow. This, because everybody was like, well, EDM is just kind of soulless and it's whatever. But it hit my kids. And I actually put a little snippet of it. I sent it to my kids today because we're going to Coachella tomorrow. And I sent them that little snippet and they both like sent me back a bunch of smiley faces because there was this moment where, and I never have analyzed that song because it's, I'm not an EDM. I don't really do EDM. But that song, yes, the emotion in that song, there was no, um, I didn't have a desire to try to dissect it. I just, something about it all, and it could have been the the moment or because I was with my kids or because it was a shared experience or whatever. But yeah, I I don't, I I think I probably can listen to things without doing it. The, the, The thing that is, I don't like is when I can hear the plan that somebody had for the song. That bugs me. If a song is put together really well, so like a magic trick or something. Like if a magic trick is done really well. You don't you, see the magic. You don't see the magic. It's mm. just like, oh, shit. Wow, that was cool. But if you know what it is, what they're trying to do. And, and, and some songs are so, I'm going to push Blatant. a button here yeah. Yeah. to try to get this emotion out. Yeah. And then I'm going to do this here because, and I'm going to use this sound here because it reminds people of this here and it's almost like a laboratory yeah that's like i was like i've never been inspired by inspirational music ever like anyone that says like be like optimistic you can no not oh. i mean optimistic no that's that that wasn't that was a song that was inspirational but it wasn't like i'm gonna try to inspire you like a lot of like i don't want to say christian music but music that seeks to like be like self-help books in music form <laughs> i hate that shit <laughs> wow! How do you really feel? <laughs> Tell them why you messed. So, how, how well rounded are you? How well rounded are your kids with music, or do you um, leave them to their pretty, own devices, no, or I do they them. school you? All of that, all all of the above, and all in and all in different ways. Um, I mean, I'm around my 16 year olds all the time. My older my older one. Um, I remember his, probably his most influential phase of music before he kind of, I, I won't say matured, but I guess matured is the right word. Mm-hmm. Anything that Little John did, wow. where it was <laughs> where it was a loop of a synthesizer, low and then high. Mm-hmm. So if it was snap your fingers, it was. <laughs> Every song had that same pattern. He loved all those songs, right? Um, and he eventually got... He's more... He's interesting now. He's much more of an EDM guy now. He, he's into the all the EDM stuff. So, um, I mean, what do they think of what your life was? Like, do they understand that, yo, I know y'all see me as dad, but... I'm the shit. I'm kind of that nigga. Motherfucker was talking <laughs> trash to Jimmy Jam. <laughs> like, what do they think of when they... See, no, they don't. They don't. They have no. They don't get it. No, not at all. Not so at all. the time means nothing to them. Well, no, they enjoyed the time. Now it's, it was interesting um, when we was that did, before or after Rihanna the Rihanna performance. No, when after the Rihanna performance, okay. we did because the time didn't exist because we didn't really. My kids weren't born until ninety six. We did my my first one was ninety six, 
the twins were 2000 so we didn't do the um we had done the pandemonium album at what 90 yeah. but we hadn't done another album since then so they didn't really know the time so it was just yeah a band i used to play with but they had no you know thought about reference, what it was right. yeah no reference um I remember the first time I took, um, we did a song with Sting called um, My Funny Friend and Me from a, it was from a Disney movie. I can't remember what it's called now. And um, we, at the end of the premiere of the movie, they raised the curtain and we actually performed with Sting. And I remember my son, who was probably four at the time, he loved it. Like he, he thought that was so cool that I was, but he didn't know who Sting was. He just thought that it was cool that after this movie, there was a band on stage, right? Uh, eventually he got it and he went with us like to Janet, like, cause he was old enough. I mean, he was what five, I think when, when Janet did or six, when Janet did the velvet rope, uh, not velvet rope, but all for you tour. Okay. So oh when God. we took him to Hawaii with us when we, we did the HBO thing and the she whole thing. She so. him to that chair, did she? <laughs> <laughs> no, she had Kevin Garnett in the chair, though. That's that right, was pretty cool. She did cool. it before Nicki Minaj. Uh, she had KG. Yeah. yeah, she did it. She did it. So anyway, so... Yeah, but uh, my younger my younger boy is uh, he's everything. He's the Coachella sponge. Like I took him, and he was everything at that year. Was a uh, ACDC. He loved ACDC. He loved uh, Tyler the Creator. He loved. Uh, oh, I was going to say if it was ACDC, it was because of a rock guitar, uh, rock band, rock or, band. or uh, no, no, guitar hero, guitar. I was wondering if it was because yeah, of guitar. Did, yeah, right. Because his kids are into metal. Yeah. Why do you know the yeah? Why do you know the songs? That's interesting. No, he always, for some reason, he always had a very big palette of, of he was always an old soul. Like, he would listen to Led Zeppelin, but I mean, he'd hear me play it, but then he'd go seek and find more stuff. That was always his thing. Like, he liked, he ended up liking the Black Keys, because he liked Led Zeppelin, and then he, you know, and he would make the connections on stuff. He was very, very much at an early age. Now he's 16, his he's literally discovered now the Michael Jackson off the wall album now is his probably his favorite album of all time. He thinks sonically it's the best record ever made. And you he, let him discover it? Yes, or you I let, forced I, it on. No, I no no. I let him discover it. Wow. I got in the I got in the car. It's funny. I got in the car the other day. So after the Grammys we went to this one after party uh, uh AEG the people that own the Staples Center and all that. We went to their party. They were playing all this kind of old school music, and they played uh, Bad Mama Jamma. They played uh, Knee Deep Funkadelic, right? He had never heard these songs in his life, right? He's asking me, Dad, who is this? And I said, oh, Bad Mama Jamma, Carl Carlton? Okay, okay. Dad, who's this? Uh, not just Knee Deep Funkadelic? Okay, cool. Uh, about two weeks later, I'm taking him to school. He's playing Funkadelic, but not Knee Deep. He's playing like... The album cuts. The right? album cuts, right? <laughs> Um, Bad Mama Jamma is like his favorite song ever. He's telling me how lyrically, and what's the lyric? Um, there's a lyric in the song that he Looks loves. Like, um, sexy, oh, sassy, sassy, oh, uh, what is it? Feel what is the anatomy. line? Yes, like. the look at her anatomy line, whatever that line is. Poetry, most intimate. I get so excited feeling her anatomy. Yeah. <laughs> she's built. She's, yeah. she's stacked. Yeah. He loved that. He said, man, those are great lyrics. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> so he loves so he loves that. He loves the like I say, he's into the Michael Jackson thing. He f the other day he found 
Heat Wave. Oh, he wow. said, Dad, doesn't this sound just like Michael Jackson's song? I said, that's because Rod Temperton wrote it. So then he went on a Rod Temperton binge, right? So he's that kid that... He's following the three. Yes, he does. He's me. And, and I love that, right? Yeah. yeah. He was me when I was so, a teenager. And, and me too. I mean, I was the same way. So I see myself in him. So anyway, he's totally into that stuff. But after he gets through with that stuff, Travis Scott... Little Uzi Vert. Big time. Uh, Uzi Vert is okay to him. He, okay. He's really, he's really, Travis Scott is his, that is his all-time favorite. He likes Kanye a lot. He likes Drake a lot. Um, he liked the early weekend stuff, the mixtapes yeah, weekend yeah, yeah. stuff. Um, but he's, um, but he likes Sampha. He likes uh, Little Dragon. No, Bruno Mars, huh? No. no, he loves Bruno Mars. Okay. Oh, loves Bruno Mars. Oh no, he's he's got a very like I say he's got a very wide musical he's not palette. Like my son, he's not like my son. Yeah. Like my age, who is also sixteen. So Coachella is like perfect for him. Like he's gonna be, he's gonna love it. Like he's already got his list of of folks he wants to see: Schoolboy Q, Kendrick Lamar. Um, you know, he's got his he's got his folks that he's like yeah, all his arm bands. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. One, one question I have for you was in regards to just like your um. We talk about all your hits, uh, some of your misses, I guess, like, um, you know, records that you've done that, you know, maybe didn't do what you want them to do and what you learned from. Um, and like when you and Terry might sit back and say, you know what, that didn't really hit the mark. And this is why it didn't hit the mark. Uh, that's a good question. I'm sure there's a lot of them. I don't think a lot about them, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like a lead-off I mean, single if, that was I, expected to. If I'm a or like home the Rajanay project or something, about, but like whatever, like, oh, like Rajanay, oh, you sold that. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to turn it up. Man. No, that's that was, good. That was my turn. I did like yeah. turn it up. It was on the Low Down Dirty Shape yeah. soundtrack. But that's right. It was. <laughs> it was. So uh, no, Raj. No, listen. Rajane was good. It wasn't. I don't think it was great. Like listening to it now. Like some things I go back and listen to, and I go, "Man, that was really some great shit we did." Or you know, at least I think that. And some things I go back and I listen to, and I go, mm, "That's okay," but I would have done that different, and I would have done that. Rajane is one of those records I probably would have done, you know, a little different than we did it. But also, we didn't have at that point in time. We just didn't have the backup with the label, so. Maybe the record could have been better. I don't think it probably reached its potential, but I don't think we probably made the best record. And that's that's in all honesty. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it happens a lot when records don't do it. I'm, I'll tell you one of the ones that was really surprising to me, but it had nothing to do with us, because I think it's a great record, uh, is Got Till It's Gone by Janet. And And what happened with that record was... Wait. It went straight to number one. something happen that we don't know about? <laughs> well, it went straight to number one urban. Pop radio didn't oh, touch it. Oh, it. Pop. Yeah. yeah. Wait, Did, what? Didn't yeah. touch yep. it. Like, like it didn't exist, didn't touch it. Not even with the no what rap version. And, and, Wait a and, minute. And, and, and here's the thing that's interesting about it. We sensed that when we made it because Janet had always straddled that line very carefully. I remember when we were, we went to a marketing meeting uh, at the end of the, uh, well, yeah, toward the end of the Janet album, right? And, um, we had already had, you know, uh, uh, That's the Way Love Goes If, uh, Again, uh, Because of Love were the four singles, I think. And then so it was now, what is the fifth single going to be? And there was a cut on the album called Where Are You Now, which we thought mm. would be a great single. 
I used to hear it on the radio all the time before the album dropped. That was the problem. It had already been played so much on the radio that they were scared that they couldn't get you it know the charted DJs to on do the airplay charts. It charted, yeah. It yeah. was right. It was like a it was like a top literally a top ten record just on airplay. And so anyway, we went to this meeting and uh you know, we're sitting in there and they they have all their charts and their graphs and, you know, well, it's summertime, we should go up tempo, maybe we go with Throb, that would be a great one, and whatever. And they had all their graphs and all their, their stuff. And Janet had told us before we went in the meeting, and us at that time, was my, it was myself and actually Renee, her first Renee, husband, her second husband, husband, I guess. So anyway, we had gone in there and so she was waiting for us. She said, when you guys are done, we'll go eat. I'm like, okay, cool. So we called her and we said, are you close? And she said, yeah. And I said, why don't you come in and listen to these what these guys are saying? Because I know what you're thinking for the single, but they're not anywhere near it, right? <laughs> and she said, okay, cool. So she comes in and everybody gives their whole spiel and everything and, you know, whatever, 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 whatever. And this is why this and it's up-tempo and it's summer and here's what we do and blah, blah, blah. And Janet goes, well, I want to thank everybody very much for... Obviously, everybody's put a lot of work into this, and I really appreciate that. And I think the next single should be um, Anytime, Anyplace. Room is silent. Mm. And somebody goes, yeah, great, sure, okay, yeah. So what do you think? Should we get a remix going, or uh, who do you think we could do R a Kelly good remix? remix? Wow. That's what I said. Said R I think R. Kelly could probably do a really good remix. And then they were like, oh, cool. Okay, remix. Okay, yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. Okay. Is this also well, where we'll the B-side came in? Huh? Is this also where the B-side came in? On and on. Yeah. On and Which on, is yeah. one of my favorite Janet on songs. On and on, because we said, because their whole thing was, oh, concerned we don't have a tempo record in the summertime. We said, we'll just do a B-side. An up-tempo B-side. The song like, starts out, oh, this yeah. is a song about summertime. Right, exactly. <laughs> Let me just spell it out for you, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yo, one of your records that I was surprised that like, didn't go was, um, oh, man, When I Need Somebody, the Ralph Tresvant. Oh, Tres Ralph Tresvant, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that shit, I was like, man, this shit is sensitivity on steroids. I love this fucking right. song. Yeah, but I like, love Who's the Mac, too. Thank you. I did, too. I, I loved Who's the Mac. It didn't, it didn't. It didn't connect. I used to that rock the instrument. I bought the single and used to rock the instrumental more than the vocal. Right. To be honest, but yeah. <laughs> well, we always saw Ralph as sort of a you know sort of a Marvin Gaye ish type thing. So that was our attempt to kind of do that kind of Marvin Gaye, you know, kind of trouble man type, you know, cinematic thing. And uh, it did, you know, at the end of the day, it didn't work. Uh, when when I need somebody, yeah, that kind of surprised me. But honestly, the label at that point in time wasn't in to Ralph at that point. Um, just for a lot of reasons, and uh, so we just kind of knew it was gonna kind of fall flat at that yeah. point. How do you I feel about that song? I still love yeah. that. How do you, you feel about the the well? You executive produced the new edition. Yeah, movie. Dustin playing yeah. you and amazingly. Yes, I agree. Yes, they also feel his own Dustin job. Felder. I, had, I mean, how do you feel that now that a whole new generation has latched on, and you know, like my friends' kids are. You know, discovering this group and how how do you? I love it. I love it because to me, that's what music really should be. Um, it should connect us. It should connect generations. It should connect races. It should connect uh, ethnicities, uh, uh, religions. It should do. That's what music is. It's the ultimate connector. And to me, it's the most divine art of all the arts. 
And the reason I say that is, name me something else that's, if I say to you, Questlove, where were you on this date in 1990? Do you know what you were doing? I, I'm that Mary Lou Henner person that can, you, you can name a date and I can tell you where oh, really? I was. Okay. I, because music and Soul Train episodes like connect me ah, to. Ah, yes, but what's right? Because of the music. Oh, that's, yeah, yeah. That's, no. that's my point. I, I say what? this to my mom all the time that it's it's my time machine. It's how, yes. I, it's how I remember things. It's how I. I it transports you. Yeah, yeah. It transports you. If I play you a song from the date, it transports you. You remember everything about it. And smells and everything. Yes. everything yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like I, I can go back to like even because uh, we talked about earlier what what I grew up listening to and it was like a bunch of pop music, but I can go back to like stuff like a Strawberry Alarm Clock or uh, the Turtles or oh, you know wow. all these right. And I remember th- I, they would play me the Turtles Happy Together or whatever, and I remember the school bus taking me to a field trip and you know that kind of stuff. I mean, it's like it's all exists in your head. But you can't access it. What's the key that accesses it? Music. That's divine. There's no other explanation for that. Okay, so I feel silly because as much traveling as I do and as many Airbnbs that I stay in because that's the only way I travel, I really have never considered my own space. I mean, think about it. What if you can make money for your next vacation while you're on vacation? And I know what you're thinking. You're like, my house is just not fancy enough. I just can't do the things. You're sleeping on your space. I'm sleeping on my space. Yes, I'm talking to myself. And I really don't even have to use my whole place. I could just Airbnb a room. I know how this works. Because again, I use Airbnb. Duh. I mean, just think about it. Most of us that use Airbnb are only using it for 50% of its power. We're spending the money, but we're not making the money. What if we could do both? Whoa. Mind-blowing. And your home really might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, it's Sugar Steve from Questlove Supreme. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. So question, because you said earlier when we first started this interview, there's going to be a movie at some time, at some point. If we can't get through this story in four hours, how is there going to be a movie? Miniseries. That's going to be the new roots. Now that certain unfortunate situations have occurred in the past year, where does that leave the original seven in terms of being the time, in terms of doing the movie? Or you going to have to see when the smoke clears with 
yeah, estates and yeah. I don't honestly. I don't think we've even thought about it. I don't even. I don't think it's been a thought. It might as well be. I mean, you saw. It, well, okay. If Steven were still at BT, I think it could be a possibility. It could have been a possibility, but. No, we were joking, like, on the New Edition story, we were on Twitter joking, like, yo, if they did a Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis story, that shit could be a Netflix original. It could be, For, like, though, 13 yeah. episodes. 13 yeah, episodes. Get, get <laughs> like, dead ass. That yeah. shit could be the new That's series. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. And you I go. don't even consider it, like, it wouldn't even have to be chronological. I think if you just pick 13 experiences like chapters. that are somewhere between 90 to two hours i mean people can handle it right or an hour <laughs> i was an hour yeah that's well, fuck it i mean we're here for nine hours <laughs> <laughs> y'all seen i'm just saying yeah it's, like- it's just i feel like yes a a 13 episode arc that would be cool 13 records. of jam and lewis like st- just that would be awesome okay listen I, we have to stop. Uh, but wait, but wait, but wait. Just grant us, because I know that look. I know you're being super polite. I appreciate you for granting no, this us this five-hour interview. <laughs> <laughs> so look. I just want to make sure we broke the record. I, I wanted to call it. Oh, no. I just want to make yeah. sure. You're good. So, so look. <laughs> you're good. Can we all just get one question each? Oh, man. Okay. One question each. Mine is rather short, and this goes back to 1982. Okay. Did you ever question the abrupt ending of <laughs> I Don't Want to Leave You? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever question that? No. Even really? now you don't question it? No, I remember it, but I don't question it. Was that supposed to be something else or just... Not that I know of, but just, I wasn't involved. Like I say, I wasn't involved in making the record, though, so I don't know. It's whatever it was. But never uh, like, hey, we'll why, never, why we'll did know, you? We'll never know. We'll <sighs> find the answer out, man. I think the leader on the tape came up, and that was the I end wasted of it, my question. Was <laughs> <laughs> Who's next? Uh, uh, Boss Bill. Next. Boss Bill. Um, a few years ago, there was a project you guys announced called the Jam and Lewis Project. I guess it was going to be the solo record. Is that still happening? Yes. And what's what's this, the latest on that? Okay, so the latest is um, the project is uh, pretty. You know, we've been we've been working on this project. You could say since the Secret album. <laughs> so, so um, we never we always thought it would be great to do our own album, but we never put aside the time to do it like we would always try to kind of do it in between other things and we felt like we were kind of selling ourselves short because you'd always clear the decks for a project and do it and as a matter of fact when we did unbreakable that time period was when we were going to really finish the jam and lewis record but we put it aside to do unbreakable because that was the right thing to do so um we are, are pretty much recorded and actually had already mixed the record, but the technology we use to mix, we're using the surround uh, technology um, to mix the record, and um, we are going to go with a different uh, technology now to do it, because it's been developed now that we've waited another couple of years. Um, the songs won't be dated because the songs are all... Um, Jam and Lewis. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, really? they're just, they, don't, they don't have an expiration date. They're not trendy. There's nothing trendy about 
any of the songs. Babyface had actually said that you guys had a couple of songs that you produced on him. We did. Is, are some of those going to be included? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. And and the thing is about it is that I think conceptually the album is simply artists that we really like doing the songs we want to hear them do. Okay. Um, so Babyface is a great example of. I will say without um, spoiler alert. <laughs> well, not without a not even a spoiler alert. I, I just I don't like to. I'm not a brag guy or boast guy or anything like that. But I will say get that your the, brag on. I will say the Babyface rec- records. The Babyface record because there's just going to be one you'll hear. Uh, the Babyface record you hear will be the best Babyface record you've heard since whatever your favorite Babyface wow. record. I love you, baby. Was yeah. <laughs> oh, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever was your favorite Babyface record, and I will say that about all the artists on there. Tony Braxton, it will be the best Tony Braxton record you've heard. It's oh, your jacking. favorite one. Mary J. Blige will be your favorite Mary J. Blige record you've heard. Uh, Usher record will be your fav- favorite Usher record you've heard. Mariah record will be the f- best Mariah record you heard. Janet record will be the best Janet record you heard. And we, we even go back to Alexander O'Neill and Sherelle. Oh, wow. Um, SOS band. Wow. Um, so the, these are all new songs Morris Day. or newly recorded songs? They are all uh, timeless songs, okay. we will say. <laughs> Got you. Got you. What Got you. women are you? Whose, whose origins have, uh, you know, started at some point, but are finishing now. Gotcha. You know, some some of them been, you know, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you one example, though. I'll give you one example. The, so the Alexander O'Neill song, we did this song as, the idea of the song was a follow-up to Saturday Love. Alex sang his part. Sherelle never sang hers until Lord. until six months ago. Wow. Say quietly. Wow. So nice. Eighty seven Alexander O'Neill is duetting with two thousand seventeen Sherelle. That's there you go. Wow. And that, and there is and therein lies the beauty of what the record is. Because do the months. Yeah, so sometimes <laughs> so sometimes that's that's just the way the the things that things happen. And, you know, and the technology allows us, obviously, to, to take, you know, we have stuff all on tape, and we have analog tape and all that stuff. And, of course, we we digitize it and make it sound a little better, so it sounds good. But then the, the other piece of it is a techno- technological piece, which is just as you would could do with a Blu-ray movie, right, where you're listening uh, to, like, a, the director's commentary, if you want to listen to it in that way, the way the record is made, we're doing that on this record. The way I'll listen to it. <laughs> yeah, so we're doing that on this record. So the commentary of the artists, ourselves, the engineer, whatever, and we talk about the choices we make and so on and so forth. So if you want to m- listen to it like that, you can. Otherwise, you can just listen to it as a regular album. I can't wait for that. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be pretty awesome. And we think that, um, and we think it does a few things. We think that, uh, and and we're going to do it in volumes because we actually now when people got wind we were doing it. Then people started coming to us and going, "Oh wait, why, why aren't I a part of it?" You know that kind of thing. So now we have a we, now we have a Stokely record. I feel uh, like DJ Khaled. When when are the Stokely <laughs> vocals coming? We the best. We the best. When you the get Stokely them vocals, vocals coming? Yeah, yeah, yeah get them vocals coming. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's it's like that kind of thing. But and you're going to call it the Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. It's just going to be. It's just going to be. Yeah, right now it's just called Jam and Lewis Volume One. I think it's what. Oh no, Jam and Lewis Project Volume One. You know, what Volume Two right should now. be hmm. Lewis and Jam. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who's I go? I just a quick yes. one. Um, Mo Money soundtrack, the new style. Yeah. Yeah. Was that something that you guys 
Well, first off, is that you saying the new style? Is that you? Yes. Okay. And also, is that you Keep on. saying uh, the blackness? Yes. Up? I thought it was it. Uh, did you guys going. ever do any more kind of club stuff like that, or was that like going to be a side project or something? Was that was, or was that just something y'all did for the movie? Okay, so that was we did a song with Janet that never came out called "Beat Crazy," and um, one of the lines in the song she said, "Control my mind," ah. and we ah, just took control my mind. Ah. We just took that piece and then we just looped it. And you hear it right at the beginning, yeah. right? But it slowed down, I think. Mm-hmm. And then the mine. She's just saying mine, mine, ah, mine. And then we just built a track around it because they needed it for a scene in the movie. They needed a. When they were it was shopping, when they were dancing. Right? Nah, yeah. that was when they was in oh, the yep. club scene. They was dancing. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. They just needed. They just needed. And so we just whipped it up. It was like literally a I don't know two hour whip this up, and that was it. Oh wow! That's yeah, dope. yeah. Next, I gotta go. We talk about. All the hits that you know are hits straight up. Have you ever gotten tunes that like you kind of like, yeah, and they wind up being hits too? Well, Saturday Love is definitely one of them. That we talked about that one earlier. You're trying oh. to redhead stepchild Saturday Love, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I just I just never. Uh... It's one of those things that's so simple. You just think like, no, this can't be it. But that's totally fucking right. It. Right. We're suckers. Yeah. No, I'll, t- I'll take it. I love it. I get it now. I get it. I, I get it. I get why people why people liked it. Um, but, um, no, we definitely have had some other ones like that. I'm just not, I'm just not recalling them, but we've definitely had some where I hadn't really thought that much of them, but somebody said, oh man, that should be the single and whatever. And we're kind of like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and then it actually did well. Um, yeah, here's it, just, it isn't love. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we felt pretty good about if it isn't love. I, I'm, there's, I mean, most of the songs we feel good about, the funny thing is when people come up to me sometimes and they'll say, Oh man, I love everything you did, and I go. I don't even love everything I did. <laughs> <laughs> you don't no, even not know everything. everything. Is, not everything is good. It's just not. I mean, that's just that's life. But uh, I mean, you always have good intentions for stuff, but it doesn't always it doesn't always happen. I'll tell you the most excruciating record to make was uh, there was a hit was uh, Karen White Romantic. Oh, because uh, um, that was a number one hit. Too. Number one, yeah, um, but. My question the whole time we were making the record is why aren't LA and Babyface making this record? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does kind of sound like an LA and Babyface. Totally, record. totally yeah. does. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I tried to it. make the record they would have made. Yeah. That was the idea. That was excruciating. And Terry was married to her. Right. <laughs> man, <laughs> that, that was tough. And nothing, and nothing against Karen, but man, that was just an excruciating record, a, a project. It just was because it because it was a record. That was an example of a project that. I didn't feel we should be doing, you know, right. I, I kind of felt like why, why aren't Ellen Babyface doing the project, you know, and for whatever reason they weren't doing it. But it was funny cause I felt that way about another project. And that was when we did, um, with Mary J we did love is all we need and, uh, and everything. And, uh, and I remember, they, yeah, y'all did do everything. That's right. Yeah. Did, and, yeah. and I, and I remember when Mary came, came to Minneapolis and she, and we played her stuff and it was, the stuff we were playing her, I thought was like really good, but it was assuming that she was working with Puffy. Uh, so we weren't playing her any sample stuff. It was just like this different kind of stuff. And she was like, yeah, it's okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. And we said, well, what are you looking for? And she said, you know, something that sounds like me. And we're like, okay, well, okay, well here, listen to this. And, and we, and, no, I said, uh, she said something that sounds like me. 
And I said, like, what? And she said, you know, like, you know, like my life, like, you know, like that kind of vibe. And we were like, oh, but isn't Puffy doing those kind of records on you? And she said, I'm not working with Puffy. And we said, um, oh, yeah. okay. Well, in that case, and we put out, <laughs> we put out the track, The Love Is All We Need. <laughs> And then instantly that track came on. And she got up and started dancing. And she said, oh, yeah, this is it. This is it right here. This is it. And wow. I was like, oh, you like that? Okay, well, we got this other one. And she was like, oh, yeah, this is it. And, we were, and we've been good ever since. So Y'all did Beautiful for her, too, though, right? Yes. Y'all did Beautiful? Yeah, that was, did beautiful. I love that record. Thank you. I'm shocked that... It was on the Stella soundtrack. Yeah. I'm shocked Beautiful that, was good. I'm that shocked that... You guys play pre-made work, and the artists are with it. Because a lot of the time, I get resistance from people uh, because they want it made in real time or to feel part of this immersive process. Sure, and not like, oh, okay, let's just pull some out the you know the woodwork and no, no, no. But we had done them for her with her in mind. We just didn't think that's what she wanted. We thought we just assumed. When they said you're gonna, do you guys want to work with Mary J. Blige? I was like, yes and no, <laughs> because <laughs> yes, because I'm her biggest fan, and no, because I'm her biggest fan. Like I don't want to screw it up with her. I don't want to be the person that kills Mary J. Blige's career because she's coming <laughs> off of my life, which is one of my favorite records. So the way we approached it was like, well, if we were making a record with her, this Rick James sample would be dope. Mm-hmm. And this stylistic sample would be dope, but we know Puffy's already going to take care of that, so we're not going to do that. Right. But we just worked them up anyway. So they were ready, but they weren't off the shelf. We've never been off the shelf, guys, whatsoever. Never, 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 never. We we tailored always tailored everything to the artist. That was always very important to us to do. Except with Peebo Bryson. <laughs> Peebo's Peebo. Yeah, except for Peebo. Yeah. No, but even that stuff is obviously Terry because that's see that's one of those things where Terry is knows what he's looking for because Terry was working intimately with people. I never did any vocals with people. Terry did that, and so Terry knew what he was looking for, and he heard it in the track. And the way he flipped the track was totally not what I was thinking for it, but it turned out real cool. You know, it's like it's like okay, damn, that wasn't what I was hearing. And he actually took like my melodies and stuff and some and some stuff, but he just made it just fit you know At the end of the day as long as it fits that's the that's the big thing but you're right some people want to be involved some people just want you to hand them the record um there's there's um i remember we worked with uh, keisha cole and uh I remember she came to the studio and she said um yeah she says uh, what am i play me something and i was like no we're gonna make up something right now Huh? What do you mean and i said no we're gonna make up something <laughs> right now like i'm gonna play some stuff see whether you like this key you like this key yeah yeah but what do we? But where's the track? It's like no, we're gonna make the track right now. Like so you like please this? and thank yous yeah, in there. Right? Like you said, can you please <laughs> thank you? No, it was great, and we ended up doing a song. Um, oh my God, it's slipping my mind the name of the record. But it was it came out real cool. And at the end of it, she said, "That's the first time ever anybody's made a record like that with me, like just with me, just putting input into it and actually, right. you know, doing it. Usually, I just walk in and people play me a bunch of tracks, and that's what I do. And I'm like." We try not to do that. We try to try to create it. We might have something on standby that we think might work just to kind of jumpstart something if we ain't got something going. But nah, we we like that you know Taylor make it you know. Laya, 
I you know I was going to do it really because I didn't want to keep us here longer. Okay, fine. I did want to know <laughs> today. Like, are there any singer, well, songwriters, producers in this R and B field that you feel like, you know what? I feel like they take they're taking the baton. Like, they well, move me. They, uh, hmm, that's a that's a great question. Well, I don't. I feel racing, like though. I think there's a bunch of batons. <laughs> so I'm gonna keep mine. Right. Good. Keep yours. But uh, but other people with a baton. Well, I mean, you know, we, that are ready to that are ready to receive when you're ready to hand. Uh, I don't think I'm ever gonna hand it. I think I'm gonna go down with my with my baton. I don't. You know what? I I think it's. I, I know what the word would be. I think in a way it's a little bit arrogant to think that we have a baton that we would hand to somebody anyway. Like I don't even think of. So then let me rearrange this question then. Are there anybody? Is there anybody that moves you in a in a way that you, that makes that moves you today? That's oh, making tons of people, tons and tons of people. That's making the music and not oh, actually yeah. singing. Oh yeah, no, it. there's a yeah. lot. There's a lot of people that I really that I really really like, but all for different reasons, in different ways. I mean, Bruno's top of my list. Mm-hmm. I think Bruno is. Um, uh, Bruno's interesting because Bruno, we actually helped Bruno <laughs> with with some of his grooves. Yeah. And we... Um, for free. Yeah, for free. <laughs> no, I don't mean he borrowed them from us. I mean, we actually went into the studio with I him know. and helped him with some stuff. Yeah, so... On the last record on 24K? On this, on this one, yeah. Oh, wow. uh, yeah. Well, in fact, that that's on. Oh, wow. Well, we got what we did for him is we got him out of a rut, okay? He tends to, I remember the first time we, w- we ever went to the studio, he played us this song, and I can't remember what it was, and he said he had been working on the bass part for six months. And he played it, and we were like, okay. He said, yeah, yeah, but something about that bass part, man. I've been trying to, I've been dealing with this for about six months, man, and whatever, whatever, whatever. And Terry looked at me, and I just said, plug in the bass. He said, I plugged in the bass, and 30 minutes later, we had the bass line. And he said, oh, my God. He said, that's why I need y'all. And I said, no. I said, no. I said, that's easy. But I said, you're trying to recreate what we've already done. I said, so that's easy. Trying to get y'all producer for free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, no, I, I mean, I think the intention was that we would actually do something. The, the thing that happened, though, honestly, was he is very meticulous. Like, he's somewhere between Prince and Michael, right? So, Prince is one day. Like, okay, uh... If a girl answers, don't hang up, for instance, on Vanity Six. Mm-hmm. That song was started and finished the same day. Like, right, you go and you play the bass. You know, Terry played the bass. Prince, I think Prince played the uh, No, Morris played the drums on that or Prince played the drums? I can't remember. I think Prince might have played the drums on that. Anyway, I put a little keyboard part on and he took my keyboard part off. Okay, fine. So they, <laughs> you, go through the, you go through the whole day. You do the thing. He wrote it. He had the girls. I think the girls might have sang it on a different day. But the track's done. And there's no rethinking it or whatever. You just move right on to the next thing. The Michael Jackson way of working is you do the song, and at the end of the day, he would say, um, make me a dad. Okay. Next day we come back. What do you think, Michael? Um, can we turn the hand claps up a little bit? Sure. Okay, hand claps are up. We good? Uh, yes, make me a dad. And that could go on for a week. And it's like, Michael, we're in the same place we've been. <laughs> We're just turning the hand claps up. Are we good to go? Because we have other songs that we want to do, right. right? Bruno is somewhere between there, right? He's very spontaneous, but then he thinks it through to death. Now, at the end of the day, the end result is great. And the end result comes off very spontaneous. But all of Bruno's stuff is series of loops. 
but it's just done very well, very subtly and very well. 24 Karat, he played it for us. He said, I don't know. He said, it's, this, he, said he, he knew it. He said, this is my single, 24 Karat. I got the video concept. I got the everything. This is my single. We said, okay. He said, but ain't, he said, the problem is that doesn't make me want to dance. I said, okay. Um, what song makes you want to dance? And he said, well, I really like, uh, I can't remember even what the songs he said. And I said, I said, okay, cool. I said, uh, plug me in, right? So what we, I just took the track and made it into a sound alike of a song he liked to dance to. <laughs> and then we played it and he said, oh, hell yeah. And he loved it, right? And he said, okay, I get it. Then he tried to put like the chords and stuff that he had before back in it. And I said, well, now you're just going back to what you already had. And he says, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Okay, cool, right? Three, four months later. Dog chasing his tail. 24 Karat is done. He doesn't use what we did, but he went, he took, not so much what we did, but he took a, the kind of the inspiration or the idea of it, but figured out how to then incorporate what he wanted in the song, which were the little stabs and the little, you know, those kinds of little things like that. And, you know, so... We didn't. So what we did is, I think we got him unstuck from the rut and got him to look at it in a different way. But we didn't technically, we didn't produce anything. So I think we were just more. I think as it turned out, just kind of a sounding board or whatever. And we did that for a few things for him, and that's fine. I enjoyed the process. He's amazing. I I I think he's probably my overall my my favorite dude, and uh, he's um, you know he's obviously an artist, but I I think he's one of the artists that in any era would be he'd be good he'd be a great artist in any year uh do we have everything out of our system steve didn't ask the question i mean i still wanted to ask about this. oh i'm sorry steve i forgot about you <laughs> oh yes <laughs> shocker you didn't forget about me the two times i spoke tonight you said shut up that's, right. not, that's not forgetting about somebody um no i have one question me and bill sherman over here we recently started a uh, a singing group called the sounds of jewiness <laughs> And we could use a track or two, you know, like, just a track or two. Just whip it up. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. So, is it true? Is there's a rumor going around that between Control Album and Rhythm Nation, A and M wanted Janet to do an album with outside with producers other than you guys. Is that true? That's impossible. Uh, well, there's some truth in it. She Wait, did she what? did she did go in the studio and 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 make some records with some other folks that um I know she did something with Brian Loren. Brian Loren. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was just guessing out yeah. my ass. Yeah. 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 Um but yeah, there was a little um uh I don't know what I would call it. There was a few bumps in the road between Control and, and Rhythm Nation for sure. And uh but um, Clarence Avant solved that problem. Um, mentioned his name earlier, about mm-hmm. five hours ago yeah. in the in the broadcast <laughs> yesterday. But, uh, but well, no, we, we had a uh, we we you know, it was one of those interesting things where you know Janet heard we were saying something about her and whatever, and we heard she was saying something about us and whatever, and she finally called me and she said, Jimmy, do you want to do the record? And I said, Yeah. You want us to do the record? She said, Yeah. And I said, Okay, fine. And I called Clarence, and I just said, Clarence, I said, uh, we want to do the record, so let's, can we get this done? And Clarence called up uh, Jerry Moss and uh, said, Jerry, give him a million dollars and let's go. Ow. And that was it. 
And, and so, we were and we were literally in the studio making "Miss You Much," which was the first song we recorded on the on the Rhythm Nation album. So, like in the next week. So the stories of of songs like uh, "You Need Me" um, was that a leftover from the Rhythm Nation sessions or the period in between? Uh, you need me. Okay, now refresh my memory. You need me ended up being a B side to "Miss You Much." To "Miss You Much," uh, "You Need Me" was. During the wow, that's a great question. When did we record that? Well, sounds like it's from the era, so yeah, yeah no, it no, it definitely it's. I don't know, I don't know, it's probably between control. It definitely, no, it definitely wasn't one of the control songs that I think. So, I think it was, it was probably part of the Rhythm Nation. So, um, I, was, I was asking if it was like before Rhythm Nation actually officially started or. That's a really good question. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to find that out myself. I truly don't remember. And then like the other BCS, like uh, Skin Game, um, were those after the album was already done? Yes. And Skin then, Game like, was after the album was done. And, and one then, like, more chance. 70s Love Groove and um, 24 Play. Well, that was for, uh, that was that was the, for the, the design Greenses. of a decade. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah but, um, 70s Love Groove. Those yeah. were all done after the album was albums were completed. <laughs> yeah, 70s Love Groove. I remember. I, I remember we did that. That was a day. We did that in a day. And we just did a groove. We just did a groove, and I said, "Just talk." And she said, "Okay." <laughs> and and uh, how does that work, especially with the interludes, and especially with the morphing? I mean, we always joke about the orgasms every album. Yeah, <laughs> right. Except Unbreakable. No, but well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But how, like, how hard, or to go from. The, the shyness of Funny How Time Flies, which I'm sure was hard to do, Reco- was the room completely empty? Like, how did you get that yeah. out of her? Yeah, the room was completely empty. Like, all those, the vocals on all the, I mean, I did all the vocals on those records, and it, the room was always dark, and we always just, we just, I don't know, trusted each other, I guess I would put it like that, but Jenna would say, just the way she was, she would say things and they would come out wrong. You know how you say something and it comes out in a sexual way or you can be, you know, it can be misconstrued as that. Jana would always do that. And even on the end of, um, oh, the end, well, yeah, uh, Funny How Time Flies. Um, at the end of it, she's talking in French, right? Mm-hmm. And then she says one more time in American. I don't know that you, or in oh, English. Yeah. You one hear that? Time. Yep. So one more time was her asking, did I want another take? But it sounded like, <laughs> let's go one more yes, time. That's, so, I, so I just left it. <laughs> Give me your Marvin Gaye ass. you have another J? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that yeah, on the tape? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is, Marvin. <laughs> yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of that kind of thing that, that goes on. But she, you know, she's an actress. She can put herself in the mood, for sure. And if the track is right, it's always, but it's, it's about the vibe. Um, my favorite one of those was, cause I remember I totally shocked people was, um, would you mind? Yes. Would you mind? That's <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, would you mind? Yeah, thank you. Would you mind was, would you mind? And I'll tell you the other great thing about would you mind was that rock Wilder did that track. And I remember when we did, I, I gave like all the producers, we worked with a whole bunch of different producers on that record, but rock Wilder was the only one that actually ended up making that was the, the 20 year old no it was Demita Joe Demita Joe okay, okay. no 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 no, no, no. Uh, Velvet uh, Rope all Velvet for you. Rope no it wasn't uh, all for you it was all for you it was it was, it was all for was you was that the one with all for you yeah it? was that yes 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 okay yeah yep. 
Yeah, all for you. And we did, um, we, what we did is we did like a kind of a camp. We called it Flight Time Summer Camp. We had a bunch of different producers come up. We put them in different rooms, which kind of happens nowadays. It's funny. Everybody does, does oh, riding camp things. So we did that. So we, we put everybody in the rooms. We said, well, let's see what you come up with. And I remember uh, we liked what Rockwilder had done um, with uh, Missy and uh, a couple other folks. And we were like, okay, we'll put you in the room. So then you say to him, okay, here's what we want. We love what you do. Don't do that. <laughs> we want you to come up with something different specifically for Janet. And it's a what a weird thing to ask somebody, right? And so I remember, and I said, okay, what do you need, man? And he says, I just need an MPC and a, uh, a XP60. And I can't remember the other keyboard he had, but that was it. I think it was XP60. So I just need an XP60. With the uh, with the Asian card and the uh, the something card, the junk, I don't remember what he called it. There was two different kind of sound cards you could get, and he says, "I just need these, right?" And so I'm like, "Okay, cool." So these other producers, I'm not even going to mention names. These other producers are like bringing in orchestras, doing all kinds of crazy stuff in one studio, bringing Rodney. in black. No, it ain't, <laughs> it ain't Rodney. No, it ain't Rodney. Gotcha. Black yeah. lights and fog machines and all kinds not of craziness. <laughs> no, no, not Rodney. And then another uh, uh, producer, or actually set of producers, were very prolific and came up with probably 20 different ideas, yeah. but none of them were quite. They never really caught right. Um, Rock Wilder. I walk next door and I hear. And I go, what the fuck? I said, dude, what is this? He said, oh, yes, this is concept, uh, whatever. And I said, okay. And I just called Janet right away. And I said, okay. I said, rocks the dude. Listen to this, right? And he had the kind of the thing. And we, I, you know, we put a couple little things on it to make it a little more her. But and then I gave her, I said, I hear this melody. And I said, but I don't, you can write it, whatever it is. I said, but when you get to the chorus, it should just be whatever you want to do to somebody, right? So if you say, I just want to, yeah. and I give her the melody, the rhythm of it. She came back the next day and I was like, oh, and we were at record plant, I think in LA recording this. And she just nailed this thing. And I can't remember who came. It might've been Robin Thicke or somebody was in the oh, studio wow. next door or something and came in and was like, what are y'all working on? And it's like, oh, we got this new Janice song. Oh, let me check it out. And they were listening. It was him and uh, I can't remember who all else was with him. Might have been Jordan Knight. We might have been working with Jordan Knight at oh, that point in time, right? Yeah. Give it yeah. to you. That's my yeah. jam right there. Yes. Yeah. I cut for that joint. Yeah. So anyway, they they Wait, were like, oh that? my god. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Good. Yeah. No, no, no. So that, that no, but that's it. It was just it was just of of all those songs that was that one is really my what probably my, my favorite one of those types of records. That one was just so good. But man, hats off to Rock for that one, man, because he really brought some. He did exactly what we said. We like you, do something that's not you, <laughs> that's her, that, you know, whatever. And he totally, Knocked it totally out. brought it. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Jimmy Jam. Man. Man. Yeah. Give him something like a plaque. Right. right. <laughs> but you got enough. Yeah. I know. <laughs> thank you. Uh, on behalf of Boss Bill, Sugar Steve, Unpaid Bill, Laia. Yep. 
and Fontigolo. This is a special <laughs> <laughs> Meredith Baxter Bernie edition <laughs> of Quest Love Supreme. We'll see you on the next go round. Thank you. Quest Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroesfilm.com to get tickets now. Hi, it's Sugar Steve from Questlove Supreme. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So, check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right, cash back isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC.